Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Leah and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, November 26, 2012. Today we're reading from the big book. We are in Chapter 5, How It Works, page 68, the third paragraph down, beginning with, We Never Apologize to Anyone for Depending Upon Our Creator. Today's readers are Penny E., Kim, Judy B., and Fran. And the share code for Friday, November 23rd, is 3380. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now call on Lois to read the 12 steps. Lois, press star one to unmute, please. Sorry, this is Lois. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted that we were powerless over food and our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, Humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people where, where possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to, to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you. I will now call on Katie to read the 12 traditions. Hi, this is Katie, a compulsive overeater. 
the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service centers, service boards, or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personality. Pass. Thank you. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book. We're on page 68, the third paragraph down, beginning with, We never apologize to anyone for depending upon our Creator. And I will ask Penny E. to begin reading, please. Thank you, Leah. Good morning, everybody. My name is Penny E., a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. We never apologize to anyone for depending upon our Creator. We can laugh at those who think spirituality the way of weakness. Paradoxically, it's the way of strength. The verdict of the ages is that faith means courage. All men of faith have courage. They trust their God. We never apologize for God. Instead, we let him demonstrate through us what he can do. We ask him to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be. At once, we commence to outgrow fear. So I would like to share. Thank you. Uh, Good morning, everybody. 
Uh, so powerful. So, 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 so powerful. I, the first thing that comes to mind here is, you know, we don't apologize to anybody for our creator. We never apologize for God. And then it says we laugh at those who think spirituality the way of weakness. And I don't know if I laugh. You know, I don't like to disagree with the big book, but I can just say they don't understand. I mean, because I know in my heart, I know in the heart, my heart, that the strength, the willingness, the ability to be abstinent one day at a time, to keep reaching for my higher power, you know, to change when anything that's going on for me is getting in the way of my usefulness to God and to others, uh, I know that comes from God. I've experienced that. You know, I know that as a result of experience. I have faith in that. So, um, you know, I just, I just would hope that other people can get this. I don't want to laugh, at but anyway, I hear somebody talking. Somebody trying to talk. The other thing that I love here. Um, and I, I did this, this fourth step the same way that it, it has in the big book. There's a fourth column on the fear inventory, the fourth column. And uh, it says in the bottom of this paragraph, instead we let him demonstrate through us what he can do. We ask him, now here's a prayer. We ask him, our higher power, to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be. What would it look like? And at once, we commence to outgrow fear. So I say, what would it look like? If I didn't have fear, what would it look like? You know, how can I go forward as if I did not have this fear? Because I have the gift. I trust that God has given me the, the courage. You know, and I, I looked up this word courage today. It says the quality of mind or spirit that allows one to face danger fear or difficulties with self-possession, confidence, and determination. So, you know, if we have fear, it really is a disrespect to God. You know, if I've turned my will and my life and my fear and everything over to the care of God, it's a disrespect. It's an oxymoron. I love that. It's an oxymoron. That's my word this week. It's an oxymoron, like big shrimp. I mean, small shrimp. No, big shrimp. Big shrimp. But, um... It's an oxymoron. It's a disgrace. It's a disrespect to God. So what would it look like? What would it look like? So let me think of an example here. Uh, I am just so scared to take my car in for service. I'm just so scared. I'd rather like not take it in because I'm afraid I'm going to need a new car. It's going to cost a lot of money. I'm not going to have a car for so, you know, I'm not going to have a car for a week. And what am I going to do? So there's the fear. But if I really follow this, you know, ask him to re remove my fear and direct my attention to what he would have me be, I can take a deep breath. Thank you, God. Let me trust you. There's no sense to, to fear this. You've given me this car. So to fear that I'm not going to have enough money is absolutely ludicrous. It's like uh, being afraid that it's going to rain, I don't know what, marbles or rain something outrageous, apples. Uh, it's absolutely ludicrous. I can have faith and know that God will give me the money to have the car fixed if he wants me to have that car, you know, if it's God's will. You know, I can have faith, you know, I can let the fear go. God, please remove the fear from me that I'm not going to have a ride anywhere. And I know through the grace of God in this program that I'm going to have a ride. If God wants me to leave my car there for, for a week, trust in God. He's given me the ability to ask for help, you know. Um, 
so afraid that I might have to get another car. That's really going to be a big expense. But again, a disrespect to God. If God wants me to have this car, I can trust it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. He's got his arm around me, and it's going to be okay. So I say, thank you for letting me fear. Thank you for letting me fear. Do you believe that? Oh, boy. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, God, I don't have fear today. And uh, have a beautiful God-filled day, everybody. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Penny. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Paula Mashia. Of course, Paula. Go ahead. Thank you. This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Uh, what a paragraph. You know, I'm going to go and scoot right on to that word paradoxically. You know, pa- a paradox is yet a statement, a proposition seemingly self-contradictory or absurd. And these are the words. And yet, and yet, expressing a truth. That's what it's doing here, expressing a truth. It is the way of strength. And then it goes on. They trust their God. We never apologize for God. You know, there was a time that I did. There was a time that I did. Well, God wouldn't allow that. Well, God didn't. I didn't understand. You know, God's the pilot. He sees things. And I'm on the plane. I'm just a passenger, honey. I don't know where the plane is going, but I trust the pilot. Because, see, he can see things I can't see. He's looking out a different window, honey. I'm looking out the side here. He's looking out the front. He's looking forward. And, you know, he knows how to drive the plane. Sweetheart, don't put me in that seat. I don't know how to do it. And then it says, instead, we let him demonstrate through us, through us, our words, our deeds, our actions, what not I can do anymore, what he can do. And then it says we ask him to remove our fear. Yeah, I can't do it. I tried it. I couldn't do it. And direct our attention to what he would have us be. Oh, I'm a love in this. But this part, at once, we commence to outgrow fear. Do you ever have a child and all of a sudden you look at their pants and they've grown another three inches? What would happen? It was only been a month ago. They've outgrown it. They can't wear it anymore. It doesn't fit. See, the fear has been replaced by faith and by trust. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Lois. May I share? Lois, please. Good morning, everyone. Um, Let me think. It says, we ask him to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be. And at once we commence to outgrow fear. I still fear very. I still fear fearful in many situations. And I had a real life situation this this holiday, this Thanksgiving weekend, actually. You know, one uh, one of my daughter uh, spoke to my husband in a very disrespectful way, and he was really upset about that. And he's 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 a very kind, gentle man, and he never gets upset about these things. So I knew in my heart that I had to. I had to step in and and say something, and um, my my experience with this daughter was was very um, negative. Before, when I would have corrected her, or, you know, confronted her with her behavior, she she would not talk to any of us for like a year. So you know, I had a lot of fear 
about confronting this situation. And I, you know, I did. I thank God. I just said, God, you know, please remove my fears and help me to put the words in my mouth, help me to say the right things. And I proceeded to um, say what I had to say to her. And, um, and she did get upset and didn't like it, but I knew that that would happen anyway. But the mere miracle of it, of course, is she, you know, we continued to have a pretty decent weekend after, after that situation. It kind of just dissipated in, in, the, in the rest of the days. So for me, that was very new behavior. And, and I know that, you know, I, I'm in a new place. It's kind of like I always put in, it's like an example of, you know, um, I'm a high trapeze, I'm a trapeze woman on a trapeze, and I'm way up there in, in, on, on, a, on a platform, and I've, I'm safe where I am, but I have to go to that other side. And before I get there, you know, I have to pick up this swing and go all the way over to the unknown. And, and you know, for me, um, I'm so very grateful that I know that it's normal for me to have fear when I confront or do new, you know, when I practice new behavior. And so, you know, and I, my trust in God is paramount. And, you know, I was so very thankful that I had an, uh, a new way. God has given me a choice to, um, to try new behavior to, and to do the right thing. And, and I'm very grateful for that. So I took that trapeze, swung the other way, and I did the right thing according to what, what I thought was the right thing. So thank you very much for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you. Anyone else? This is Janice. Janice this is Robin. Janice and then Robin. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Good morning. Vision for you. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. We never apologize to anyone for depending upon our creator. You know, that's a good reminder to me. It really doesn't have anything else, anything to do with them. It's a good reminder to me where my dependence, my trust, reliance, and dependence lies these days is upon my higher power. And it says we can laugh at those who think spirituality the way of weakness. Well, I don't laugh at them to their face, but I can laugh to myself because I've been where they are. I've been where they are. I, too, laughed at people who could depend on God because I, myself, was in that horrific and miserable place and not yet seeing that it was the way of strength. Paradoxically, it is the way of strength. Now, courage would not exist without fear. There would be no need for courage if we didn't have fear. But we all have fear because we're all so human. You know, remember, I'm coming from this place where I was either not good enough or who do you think you are? You know, I vacillated between those two places. And now, because of the work of the inventory process, because of the steps one, two, and three, where I've identified who I am and what I'm up against and I'm depending on God now, I would rather do that than be where I was at. So instead, I pray. I pray to let him demonstrate through me what he can do. Because by myself, God was either everything or he was nothing. And by myself, I was nothing. I couldn't do it. I had tried over and over and over again, first against the food, but now I'm seeing the whole of my life through this inventory process and how fear had ruled my life. And that when I had only my human will to depend on, it was insufficient. 
lack of power had been my dilemma. You know, and as soon as I do that, whatever that situation is, whatever that thought process is that brings me up against the fear once again, now I have a new process. You know, now I can say, God, direct my thinking. And if you direct my thinking, that in turn will direct my actions because all action is born in thought. And so when my thinking is placed on the right plane, then at once I commence to outgrow the fear and I can do the things and be who God would intend me to be. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Robin, please. Hi, this is Robin. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, I see this. This is a courage paragraph to me. I, you know, I grew up as a people pleaser, and what I see in this paragraph is that I'm I'm called to make a choice. I'm called to have the courage to choose my higher power over people, and sometimes that's an unpopular opinion, which, by the way, is something that happens frequently as a sponsor. Sometimes you have an unpopular opinion, um, and what what I see in this paragraph is the fact that my higher power gives me um, instructions for how to how to find that courage so that I can choose my infinite higher power over finite people who often make mistakes, who often harm people, who often harm me. Um, my higher power gives me instructions and those instructions are that I can ask him to remove my fear and direct my attention to what he would have me be. What I also like about this paragraph is that um, I'm told that I'm I'm allowed to demonstrate, I'm allowed to let him demonstrate through me um, what this all means. So yeah, I can shout it from the rooftops if I want to, but um, as a people pleaser, sometimes it's scary to have an unpopular opinion. And I can allow my higher power to show himself through me sometimes. Um, but I see this as a courage paragraph for any of us people who are people pleasers and are afraid to uh, go against what society says and instead put all of our um, faith and reliance in a higher power. Thank you. Thank you so much. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I wanted to comment on this paragraph as well. It says, we never apologize to anyone for depending upon our creator. Uh, You know, the big book, through these action steps, you know, helps to transform my mind and uh, transform those dependencies. You know, my basic flaw had been this faulty dependence on people and places and things and and money and, you know, relationships to supply me with that feeling of well-being, to supply me with a feeling of comfort and of happiness and of security. And, you know, those external conditions were never a remedy for an internal condition called compulsive overeating. You know, because I just couldn't quite get the scenery and the lighting and, you know, all the all the characters on the stage uh, perfect. You know, there was, there was just no way I could manipulate it in such a way that I was comfortable. What the program of recovery does is transform me so that my dependence and my trust and reliance becomes on, on God. 
on God. And through that reliance, um, you know, faith can flow in. I, I have the ability to be in touch with that power because the quality of my consciousness with God, the quality of my relationship with God is going to determine my future. It's going to determine how I, how I behave today, how I think today. It says here, we ask him to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be at once we commence to outgrow fear. You know, when my relationship with God was not right, when I was in disharmony with God, when I was separated from God, when I was living in the darkness, my instincts were, were out of control. And just about anything anybody did or say, said to me <laughs> created fear within me. But through the program of recovery, through the transformative process, if my relationship with God is in harmony, if it's in alignment, then my instincts are under control and the opposite is true. You can say and do almost anything and it won't create that fear. You know, because whatever I direct my life towards, that's what's going to run my life. If I direct my life towards uh, dependency on people, places, things, circumstances, and situations going exactly the way I need to go, then that's what's going to run my life. And it's going to be wearisome. It's going to be exhausting to get everything perfect on that stage of life. It's impossible. But if, if I direct my life towards God then that's what runs my life. That's why there's not a spiritual part of this program. It is a spiritual program. The whole thing is spiritual. And I needed a new mind. I needed a new mind. In order to move away from fear, I needed a new mind. Not an intellectual, uh, you know, not a mind of intellectualism, a spirit-guided mind, a, a mind where I, I seek to know and do his will. At once, in that way, we commence to outgrow fear. I'm growing up. The program of recovery grows me up from what I had become to that what God intends me to be. And with that, I pass. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? This is Judy B. Karen. Hi, this is Kathy. I'd like to share. Okay, so we have Judy B., Sharon, and Kathy in that order, please. Go right ahead, Judy. Uh, good morning, everyone. This is Judy B., uh, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. This paragraph is just so meaningful. I mean, it just uh, brings out the fact that we can trust God and that there is nothing to fear because um, we can depend upon our Creator. Um, we let Him demonstrate through us what He can do. We ask him to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be. And I have been dealing over the last few weeks with some uh, medical issues and um, medication, which has, <clears throat> I felt, you know, almost changed my personality. And um, I became fearful, fearful that I wouldn't be the person that I that I was meant to be. And... Um, God is just so powerful. I mean, he just, he has assured me, assured me through the meetings I listen to, through the people I talk to, that that we have everything we need to do what he wants us to do. 
I mean, perhaps we can't do the things that we think we would like to do, things that we think others expect us to do. But he gives us what we need, and he shows others through the way that he, he um, heals us, through the way that he directs us, that trusting him is not in vain. It's what works. You know, he will show us what we need. He will give us the courage and the faith that we need. And it's, it's such a beautiful blessing and such a gift. Um, and I just love the way this, this big book shows us how to work through our fears. Because occasionally they do come up. And, um, and, and there is an answer. I mean, we just direct our attention to God. We ask him at once to remove the fear. You know, we talk to another person about what's going on. Talking to other people um, from meetings has been so helpful to me over the past few weeks. And it works. This program works. And and we can share it with each other and know and know that that we are loved and that we are exactly where we need to be. I, I just thank God for this program and for the... Um, for the people that gather here together. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Sharon, please. Good morning. This is Sharon. I am a recovered compulsive overeater and very glad to be on the line with you this morning. I love this paragraph. We never apologize to anyone for depending upon our creator. Now, it was important for Bill to... to, um, write this paragraph because he was dealing with people who had, uh, like me, who did not have a good impression of people who were religious. Uh, And and, uh, I was taught that uh, religious, if you were too religious, that this was a negative thing. But it is okay when you're in trouble to, to go to God and to depend on God. But as soon as you were on your feet, then you needed to be self-reliant. You needed to uh, uh, really be for yourself, work for yourself, get it for yourself. And it was really uh, the uh, people, it really was, I was taught that it was a sign of weakness if for people to be depending on God, that we believe in God, but we go and we get for ourselves. And so now here I'm being taught that just the opposite, that my whole life depends upon trusting God, trust and reliance upon God, day in and day out, every minute, every second, it's all about my relationship with God, and that's what my life depends upon. And when I read this and start realizing that that, this is my uh, personal struggle every single day to go against the grain of what I've been taught versus now what I need to do to survive and to have a good life to live a recovered life. Now I need to depend upon God. Even though I was taught that in order for me to be successful in life, I had to depend upon myself. 
again, I had to get it for myself. Now I'm being taught that I have to depend upon God, that I have to go to God, that my recovery, that my life depends upon this relationship. And so there, that for me can bring up fear. It does bring up some fear, fear of trusting God, fear of going against the grain, fear of looking like I'm a, uh, weak because I'm depending upon God and I'm not strong enough to take care of myself and to get it for myself. And, and, and I've failed because I couldn't do what I was taught. I couldn't do it the way it looks like other people are doing it. I failed. I became a compulsive overeater. I, I, um, I couldn't survive on my own. And so Bill is saying to people like me, wait a minute. Don't you trust God regardless regardless of what you've been taught, regardless of what people say to you or think about you, don't apologize for where you are. Don't apologize because you became a compulsive overeater that could not cure yourself. Don't apologize because you ate and you couldn't, you ate yourself into such a state that you couldn't even be successful at your job. Don't apologize because you didn't, couldn't accomplish your dreams. Don't apologize. Depend upon God. Depend upon your creator. There is a better way. And when you depend upon your creator, you, can, you won't have the life that you thought you were going to have when you were out there trying to get it for yourself. You're not going to have that life. You just give that up you're going to have something that's far better. And it's, it's a paradox that giving that all up, trusting in a power that's outside, that's not even, it's in you, it's, it's, but it's not yourself. By letting go of that, this is the way of strength. This is the way that now I can get the things that I always thought I wanted, I won't necessarily get those things specifically, but I will get the things that I need. I will be able to contribute to life in a way far greater than I was able to or would have been when I was out there working to get it for myself. So what I do now is I can be accomplished as a servant of God. I can allow God to demonstrate through me. I can be a servant and I can be useful and accomplished and successful at being who God has called me to be. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon. And now to Kathy, please. Hi, this is Kathy, a recovered compulsive overeater from Boston. Um, This sentence, um, we ask him to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be. Um, This sentence really helped me um, 
understand what it meant to trust and rely on God. I was an agnostic for so many years, and when I did my fourth step and came to this part um, and had to write out um, what I was afraid of, what I had done before, and what I was to do now, um, uh, it began to make sense to me. And even now, whenever a fear comes up, which it happens very often, um, still, um, as soon as I ask, what would God have me be? Um, I get an image of that, an image of a woman who is compassionate, um, self-aware, um, able to, um, express myself clearly with kindness and, um, and the strength to do so. And when I see that image, it empowers me to move in that direction. Um, and, you know, I experience this so often now. Um, and the fear is replaced with a very positive image of how to act. Um, and that's, I am uh, holding to be guidance from my higher power on the next right thing. So this is one of the most practical statements that I've encountered um, in the big book when it comes to dealing with fear. Thanks, and I pass. Thank you, Kathy. And now we will move on to the next paragraph with Kim, please. Thanks, Leah. Now about sex. Many of us needed an overhaul in there. But above all, we tried to be sensible on this question. It's so easy to get way off track. Here we find human opinions running to extremes, absurd extremes perhaps. One set of voices cry that sex is a lust for our lower nature, a base necessity of procreation. Then we have the voices who cry for sex and more sex, who bewail the institution of marriage, who think that most of the troubles of the race are traceable to sex causes. They think we do not have enough of it, or it isn't the right kind. They see its significance everywhere. One school would allow man no flavor for his fare, and the other would have us all on a straight pepper diet. We want to stay out of this controversy. We do not want to be the arbiter of anyone's sex conduct. We all have sex problems. We hardly be human. If we didn't, what can we do about them? Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim. I'm a recovered compulsive reader in South Jersey. So now about sex. You know, I remember when I first read this, I thought, oh, boy, you know, here's this first 100, a bunch of men. Of course, they're going to talk about sex and make it this big thing. But when I started to look at the, the inventory, I saw how essential this was. You know, that I had gotten a lot of mixed messages. You know, one school would allow no man flavor for his fare, which is that puritanical, you know, sex is only for creation. And the other would have us all straight pepper diet, you know, sex, 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 sex. And what about those mixed messages? What did my church tell me? You know, what did my, my parents tell me? What did my peers tell me? What were the magazines telling me? What were my, the TV shows telling me? It was also confusing, you know, and as compulsive overeaters, you know, at least for myself, my sexuality was so wrapped up in what I looked like. And my obesity made me feel asexual. 
you know. And one of the things I looked at was here was that's that was one of the ways that being fat helped me. You know, I was I was confused about what sex was supposed to be like, what I, as a sexual being who I was. And when I got fat, that decision went away. Those choices went away. It kept me safe from having to deal with that. You know, so where I see this is, you know, where is the peace? Not that there's a right answer or there's a wrong answer, but where is the peace there for me? You know, I didn't even go on a date till I was 26. You know, and when I finally was able to lose some weight through bulimia, I went a little crazy. You had my first kiss at, at 26 and then went a little crazy because I knew I couldn't keep up this this bulimia. So I had to take advantage of this sex thing. I had to take advantage of, of, of boys finding me attractive. So it wasn't just about the act of sex. But what did, what did sex mean to me? You know, sex was power. You know, if I was attractive, could I get that man to buy me a drink? If I saw a married man with a woman, could I get that man to flirt with me, to show that woman that I had some power over her? So this just wasn't just about the sex acts. It was about what was my attitude towards sex. And for me, it had so much to do with my weight, you know, my sexuality, and power. So it says here, you know, we all have sex problems. We'd hardly be human if we didn't. But what can we do about them? Where could I find that peace in how I felt about sex? Not about how my parents felt about sex or how my religion felt about sex or what the, the reality televisions were telling me I should feel about sex. But where could I come in alignment with my higher power to find peace about, my, about sex, sexuality, and my body image? And with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Janice. Janice, your turn. Thank you, Leah. Thank you. Now about sex. You know, three little words there. Uh Uh-oh, you know, now we're going to talk about this thing that perhaps might be uncomfortable to talk about, might be uncomfortable for me to look at. You know, one of the things that I was taught was when they put this in here, specifically to look at this part of our conduct. They were asking me to look at relationships where there were physical attractions and then the conduct around those relationships, where there were physical attractions and then my conduct around those relationships. And there were some things to look at there. You know, yes, I might have had a history That got me to the point where I was behaving as an adult the way I was behaving. But how did I look at that conduct? How did I look at those relationships? Where had had fear been a part of those relationships? Where had my ego been a part of those relationships? How had I been behaving? And let me look at that. Let me look clearly at that because the food is down now. You know, I'm not using the food to minimize or rationalize or justify or or put a barrier between me and my conduct. You know, now I need to look at clear look clearly. And it says there may be many influences. There may have been many influences and there still may be influences today. We certainly live in a culture where there are many influences around that conduct. But now I want to look at a God-centered way of thinking about this a God-reliant way of thinking about this, a God-trusting way of looking at this. Because 
despite all of those many influences, it says we don't want to tell each other the way we need to behave. We don't want to be an, uh, the arbiters of anyone's sex conduct. We have our own problems to look at. But we'd hardly be human if we didn't. We'd hardly be human. Oh, so human. But this is going to give me an opportunity here if I'm willing to take it, if I'm willing to be brave and courageous and look at these things in my conduct that might have had to do with this part of my inventory. Because I need it. I needed the big picture. I needed to look at it all, to not be afraid to look at it, to not be ashamed to look at it. You know, shame can stop us in our tracks. You know, there were things I thought I was going to take to my grave, conduct that I couldn't live with, things that I had done, ways that which I had behaved that I wanted to just shut the door on it. But it says I don't need to do that, that this inventory process will give me an opportunity to look at this in a whole new way, with God's help, with God's help. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Anyone else on this paragraph? Well, my name is Leah, and I'm a recovered compulsive reader. I'll jump in on this. Now about sex. You know, the big book's getting a little poisonal here, uh, but there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that, because there's another area of my life uh, that can block me from 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 God, from our higher power, and that area is sexual relations. Um, the other areas that we already studied on this line, resentments and fears, and now we're moving on to the sex relations. Um, because in those relations, um, first of all, all action is born in thought. So if my thinking is twisted, if my thinking is distorted, then my actions are also going to be twisted and distorted. So my relationships are going to be twisted. They're going to be distorted. And uh, that can cause feelings of, of guilt and remorse and, and shame. And so one of the fastest ways that we can harm one another, obviously, because it is such a personal area, um, is through our sex conduct. So I've got to take a look at that. I've got to clean that up. I've got to clean that up. The big book goes on to say in the paragraph we want to stay out of this controversy, meaning that the big book is not going to be the judge of anyone's sexual conduct. It's not going to draw any specific lines where sex is concerned. It's not going to tell me what's sexually acceptable and what's not. That That's not its purpose. Um, the purpose of this endeavor here in regards to the sex relations is to help me shape a sane and sound ideal for my future sex life so that I can learn from what has not worked, so I can learn from my mistakes, so I can learn from uh, these character defects of mine that I made in the past so that I can have better relationships today and in the future with my spouse and with other people. So um, 
you know, this, <laughs> however uncomfortable this may be for some, it is absolutely necessary because just like resentments and fears, this whole area blocks me from God. I had food stains all over my relationships. The disease, um, you know, was expressed in this area as well with all those relationships, with all those decisions I made in those relationships and uh, with my conduct and my behavior in those relationships. So it needs to be uh, looked at and examined so that I can learn from that, so that I can be transformed in those areas as well. And with that, I pass. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Paula. May I share? Paula, yes. Yeah, this is Thank Patricia. You. This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsive Reader. You know, many of us needed an overhauling there, and that's what it's starting with. Okay, so here we're ready for the overhaul. But this is it. But above all, so it's trying to tell you the importance of this in your life, your relationships here too. As was just explained so beautifully, we try to be sensible on this question. Now, now, why would they say that? Because we're not usually. Honey, we go in the opposite direction. We're not sensible here. But here it says we try to be sensible on this question. And this part, it's so easy to get way off the track. Honey, it doesn't say just off the track, way off the track. And there, we have to stay on the track here. What are you doing here? You're doing your inventory. You want to make it better. You want to clear this the, the stuff out of the way. So you clear that path to God. You clear the path to God. And it says here, and I just and I'm gonna scoot right on down, honey, right over to we do not want to be the arbitrator of anyone's sex conduct. Lord knows I'm not here for anyone else's. I'm here for mine. I'm here for my sex conduct. That's what I'm looking at here. And then it says, we all have sex problems. We'd hardly be human if we didn't. Okay, I'm glad of that. So I am human, as you are. And now it ends with a question. What can we do about them? I'm a loving, because then it gives you the answer. So here we go again. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Anyone else? This is Katie. Katie, go ahead. Hi, this is Katie, a compulsive reader in Virginia. Yeah, we all wanted to talk on that paragraph before because, you know, that very third word here is about sex. Everyone's like, oh, I've already shared, so let's just skip on down. But this was good news to me that um, it was sort of brought out in the open that everybody has problems with this because I, this is one of those deep, dark secrets that I thought I was the only person in the, on the planet who was so confused about all this. And, you know, I agree that um, we don't do what other people tell us to do. We don't do um, what a religion tells us to do, but this is definitely an area that we can press into our higher power and, and God will guide us. Um, to what is the right thing for us because I, you know, I, I wanted to be married. I had my first boyfriend when I was nine and, um, you know, I, I got absent when I was 27 and, um, 
you know, I really thought as soon as even working this program, working all the steps, I still had this idea that as soon as I lost weight, I would meet the man of my dreams and that would be, you know, my life would move on. But I had a lot more um, to learn and that just wasn't, that wasn't God's plan for me. And, um, you know, this program raised the bar for me on, on, on my sexual conduct. But it was another opportunity for God to show me that he would be there with me. Um, and this word paradoxically in the previous paragraph, I looked it up and uh, <clears throat> a synonym for it is absurd. And, you know, that's what um, it can seem like with uh, our sexual conduct, that it's it's absurd to think that we can change. And in fact, we can. And we, uh, everything about our lives changes as we walk this path. And God, it's not, you know, it's not treasury. It's, um, it's joy to, to do the next right things and to stop living in this thick, shadowy world, which is where I lived before. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. And we'll move on to the next paragraph now with Judy D. Please. Uh, good morning. We reviewed our own conduct over the past years past. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate? Whom had we hurt? Did we unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? Where were we at fault? What should we have done instead? We got this all down on paper and looked at it. Okay. This is, is giving us the questions that we need to look at as we look at our past sex conduct. Um, and we need, to, we need to be totally honest with ourselves, as honest as we can be, and ask God for help with that. And to look at our actions and to see what our motives really were, you know, and did um, did our instinct for sex just become overboard? Did we um, use it uh, to get our own way, to get what we wanted, you know, to show that we were desired? Did we hurt other people? You know, how many people were hurt? Um, did we affect other family members? We, we just need at this point to be honest about what we did as we were um, as we were with the people that we really were intimate with. And um, it, it's just a, another time during the inventory when when total honesty and total openness uh, will give us what we need. We, we need to look at these things because it will help us in, our, um, in the way we change and in the way that we, uh, we, we come up with a, a better way to live our life and we, and we find a, a way to deal with our sex conduct which works, you know, which, um, which is loving and which... Um, it, we we are doing what God has created us to do. You know what we are being we are being loving. We are being thoughtful. Um, we are living our lives the way we should, and we are not allowing our selfishness and our our 
instincts instincts gone awry to to, uh, mold our lives. So um, with this part of our inventory, we we just need to do what we've always been doing, which is to look honestly at what's gone on, not to... uh, not to react to it, just to get it down on paper, to look at it, to talk about it with someone else, and to go on. And God will guide us with that. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy B. And we will certainly be returning to this topic tomorrow morning. And thank you to everyone who has shared this morning. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Fran, will you please read for us from page 164? Yes, good morning. This is Fran, compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then, pass.